You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.pagosity.tv. Your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.pagosity.tv now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of August 5th, 2018. The podcast that used to love me, but she died. This is your host, Shane Killian. Before we get started, I just want to say to those who prefer the editions of this podcast that have co-hosts, they are going to continue. The reason why these last few podcasts have been solo is due to scheduling conflicts or the co-host having to bow out at the last minute these things happen. But hopefully we'll have the co-hosts back soon. Until then, let's pat down the news of the bogus. So a lot of people in the media are losing their heads over the fact that the TSA is considering eliminating security at airports that only fly smaller planes, those with 60 or fewer seats. Anyone connecting to a larger flight will clear security when they make the connection. Bruce Schneier has a good article explaining why this is nothing to worry about. First of all, there's no concrete proposal. Not even any recommendations, at least not in the report obtained by CNN. They're just examining possibilities. Also, it probably won't happen, but not because the idea doesn't have merit, but because it's not politically viable. Chuck Schumer, never one to let a good outrage go to waste, said, quote, TSA documents proposing to scrap critical passenger security screenings without so much as a metal detector in place in some airports would effectively clear the runway for potential terrorist attacks. It simply boggles the mind to even think that the TSA has plans like this on paper in the first place. But unlike Schumer, Schneier is a security expert, and he explains, quote, We need to evaluate airport security based on concrete costs and benefits and not continue to implement security theater based on fear. And we should applaud the agency's willingness to explore changes in the screening process. We need more of this kind of thinking, not less. Over the years, I have written many essays critical of the TSA and airport security in general. Most of it is security theater, measures that make us feel safer without improving security. For example... The liquids ban makes no sense as implemented. The full body scanners are terrible at detecting the explosive metal PETN if it is well concealed, which is their whole point. Amateurs will be deterred or detected by even basic security measures. The professionals will figure out how to evade even the most stringent measures. I've repeatedly said that the two things that have made flying safer since 9-11 are reinforcing the cockpit doors and persuading passengers that they need to fight back. Everything beyond that isn't worth it. The more we politicize security, the worse we are. People are generally terrible judges of risk. We fear threats in the news out of proportion with the actual dangers. We overestimate rare and spectacular risks and underestimate commonplace ones. We fear specific movie plot threats that we can bring to mind. That's why we fear flying over driving, even though the latter kills about 35,000 people each year, about a 9-11's worth of deaths each month. And it's why the idea of the TSA eliminating security at minor airports fills us with fear. We can imagine the plot unfolding, only without Bruce Willis saving the day. 
With both politicians and the news media acting like panicky idiots at any small discussion of reform, sadly, don't expect sense to prevail anytime soon. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. It's sometimes reassuring to note that we're not completely living in a police state as of yet. There are still some limitations on the hideous things police and lawmakers do, as an appeals court thankfully confirmed. Louisiana has a law against intimidation of public officials, but the law is worded so vaguely that threatening to sue or even file a complaint is considered intimidation, as Travis Seals found out the hard way. He'd been arrested on mysterious charges. He verbally disagreed with the arrest, and somehow that meant that pepper spray was the appropriate thing for the cops to use at the time. Even though Seals never ended up being charged with anything, he chose to fight the law. Even though the DA never saw fit to charge Seals, he still chose to fight for this insane law. The lower court said it was unconstitutional, and the Fifth Circuit Appeals Court agreed. Quote, the statute criminalizes public intimidation, defined as the use of violence, force, or threats upon a specified list of persons, including any public officer or public employee, with the intent to influence his conduct in relation to his position, employment, or duty. On its face, the statute is extremely broad. The definition of threat generally encompasses any statement of an intention to inflict pain, injury, damage, or other hostile action on someone in retribution for something done or not done. That definition easily covers threats to call your lawyer if the police unlawfully search your house or to complain to a DMV manager if your paperwork is processed wrongly. And what's incredible is they've actually used this law successfully before. Quote, As plaintiffs note, the Louisiana Court of Appeals has upheld the conviction of a defendant who violated section 14 colon 122 by threatening to sue an officer and get his job if the officer arrested him. Plainly, such a threat suggests no violence. Indeed, the threat appears to be a plan to take perfectly lawful actions. The statute reaches both true threats, such as don't arrest me or I'll hit you, and threats to take wholly lawful actions, such as don't arrest me or I'll sue you. In both these examples, the speaker may be legally subject to arrest and is trying to influence a police officer in the course of his duties, 
And not only does it encompass unprotected content, it reaches far beyond those constitutional limitations to target threats to complain to a school principal if one gets a bad grade, threats to run against an incumbent unless he votes your way on a bill, or threats to call the media if a police point a gun at you. These kinds of threats are part of the core First Amendment rights by which we distinguish our free nation from a police state. Thus, insofar as it criminalizes threats, Section 14, 122 is unconstitutionally overbroad. So good going, Fifth Circuit Appeals Court. Here's hoping we see more decisions like this in the future. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. We've covered the so-called right to be forgotten that Europe is trying to impose on search engines such as Google. Thankfully, we don't have anything like that here in America. Or do we? So back in 2010, the Chicago Tribune posted a story about two men, University of Chicago lecturer Gregory Malandrico and management consultant Matthew Clark, both of whom had been savagely beaten by attackers. The Tribune also posted pictures of the men's wounds. Police not only let the attackers go, but refused to call for any sort of medical assistance and told the two men to forget that incident ever happened. Turns out, the attackers were off-duty policemen. Their lawsuit against the city eventually led to a $185,000 settlement. Now, I'm sympathetic to Malandruco. What happened to him and his friend was horrible and inexcusable. And I can appreciate that he's acting out of hurt and fear and all sorts of other emotions as he sues both the Tribune and Google to have his name and picture removed. But that doesn't mean the court should comply with his so-called right to be forgotten, even though they seem to have done just that. Malandruco sued the Chicago Tribune to have the photos taken down on July 24th, and the judge ordered the Tribune to appear at a hearing on September 10th. Google has indexed the story and the picture because, you know, that's their job, and so Malandruco sued them as well, as well as over 130 other media outlets. Presiding Judge Jeffrey Jablonski ruled that, pending a hearing on the matter, Google must, quote, de-index explicit post-assault images from searches of Greg and Gregory Malandruco and or Malandruco. In other words, for people looking for him specifically. There is no legal justification whatsoever for this order. And neither, for that matter, for the one against the Tribune. The pictures are newsworthy and not in any way defamatory. Malandruco also claimed that since he took the photos, that publishing them is an infringement of copyright. 
but news sites publishing newsworthy photos is clear and undeniable fair use. Also, he would have had to sue in federal court, not state. Malandruco also claimed that it's a violation of both state and federal victims' rights laws, but those only cover what government officials can do, not news agencies or search engines. Also, these orders were issued ex parte, without any effort to notify Google or the Tribune that these proceedings against them were taking place. That's a serious procedural error. We've talked before about prior restraint and why it's so bad, and that's exactly what this is. This is seriously unconstitutional, and hopefully it gets overturned before the revisionist censorship known as Right to be Forgotten takes hold in America. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the Internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the Internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your Internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to tally me banana this week's biggest bogan emitter. We've talked about the problems with voting machines, and we talked about how the village at last year's DEF CON found programs with every single voting machine in use. At this year's DEF CON this past weekend, they found election websites hacked and results changed by an 11-year-old girl. DEFCON had invited 50 kids between 8 and 16 to see if they can compromise replicas of state election websites. The title of this article in Naked Security is a bit clickbaity, which Lisa Voss doesn't generally do. She didn't change actual results, but she did change it on a duplicate of Florida's election reporting system website, so she could have changed it on the real thing if she'd wanted. The kids were given basic instructions on in how to do a type of attack called a SQL injection, where you insert database commands into improperly protected input boxes. All total, the kids were able to make changes to these websites in less than half an hour. They changed vote tallies to 12 billion, rewrote party names, and renamed candidates, one renaming a candidate to Bob Da Builder, and another renaming someone to Richard Nixon's head. The 11-year-old managed to triple the number of votes on the Florida replica in about 15 minutes. Nico Sell, co-founder of Roots Asylum, a nonprofit that teaches kids cryptography, engineering, and responsible bug disclosure, said, quote, These are very accurate replicas of all the sites. These things should not be easy enough for an 8-year-old kid to hack within 30 minutes. It's negligent for us as a society. 
Sell pointed out that although this test wasn't about changing the actual election results, being able to change the reported results would be enough to create all sorts of chaos. Just look at all the brouhaha caused by the misreporting in the 2000 presidential election. In addition to the exploits by the kids, other hackers found that Premier and Diebold's TSX machines were using out-of-date SSL certificates. One person even managed to put Linux on the device and get it to play music. Diebold's Express Poll 5000 was found to be even easier to crack simply by the voters swapping out an easily accessible memory card. The card contained supervisor passwords in plain text, as well as personal records of all voters, including addresses and driver's license numbers. They found they could even insert special memory cards that could change voting results and voter registration information. Oh, and the device's root password? It was password. Stored in plain text. Are they even trying? Perhaps presciently, just a few days before DEF CON, Randall Monroe posted an XKCD comic about voting machines. The first panel is asking aircraft designers about airplane safety. Nothing is ever foolproof, but modern airliners are incredibly resilient. Flying is the safest way to travel. The second panel is asking building engineers about elevator safety. Elevators are protected by multiple tried and tested fail-safe mechanisms. They're nearly incapable of falling. And finally, we have asking software engineers about computerized voting, where an interviewer is talking to Megan and Cuball. Megan says, that's terrifying. The interviewer says, wait, really? She says, don't trust voting software and don't listen to anyone who tells you it's safe. Why? Megan says, I don't quite know how to put this, but our entire field is bad at what we do, and if you rely on us, everything will die. The interviewer says, they say they fixed it with something called blockchain. Megan goes, ah! Cuball says, whatever they sold you, don't touch it. She says, bury it in the desert. He says, wear gloves. And the mouse over text says, there are lots of very smart people doing fascinating work on cryptographic voting protocols. We should be funding and encouraging them and doing all our elections with paper ballots until everyone currently working in that field has retired. I mean, really, what is wrong with paper ballots, I'd like to know. So all of that makes the makers of election systems this week's biggest bogan emitter. If you're going to shop online, use our special links to shop at Amazon. Clear your cookies and go to Amazon.Pagosity.tv, and you won't pay a penny more for your purchase. If you haven't used the mobile app in the last 12 months, or even at all, go to get5.bogosity.tv on your phone or tablet and get $5 off your order of $10 or more. Go to prime.bogosity.tv for a free 30-day trial of Amazon Prime and enjoy thousands of movies and TV episodes, borrow Kindle books, and get unlimited two-day shipping for free. And speaking of Kindle, go to kindle.bogosity.tv for a 30-day free trial to Kindle Unlimited, read over one million books, and listen to thousands of audiobooks on any device. You can go to music.bogosity.tv and get a free 30-day trial of Amazon Music Unlimited with access to Amazon's entire library of 10 million songs, ad-free and with unlimited skips, and even download to listen offline. All great ways to help this podcast simply by shopping at Amazon. And now let's upgrade the codec of this week's Idiot, Idiot. 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 Idiot.
So we've talked about how good it is to have police body cams because they're great at getting the truth out, but we've also covered the problems that they cause, not the least of which are security issues. One huge issue is that of protecting the integrity of the recordings so that it can actually be trusted. You need to be assured that the video you're watching is the video the camera actually recorded. Well, over at DEF CON again, while all those preteens were busy poning our election systems, another researcher showed how many of these body cameras currently on the market are vulnerable to remote attacks, including the ability to manipulate footage. Most of the vulnerabilities allowed an attacker to download footage off a camera, make edits or even modifications, and re-upload it. The camera would give no indication that the altered video is in any way different from what was originally recorded. They don't have any kind of cryptographic signing or any other way to detect that the footage was changed. Or the hacker could simply delete the footage entirely. All of the devices tested had issues that could allow an attacker to track their location, and four of the five cameras tested had a Wi-Fi radio and broadcast identifying information about the device. Smartphones and other gadgets had begun randomizing that information, but these body cameras didn't even do that. He even got the device's make and model. So imagine you're part of this major drug ring or something, and you have your detectors up and running. All of a sudden, you see all these police body cams start up all around you. Hey, they're about to raid us! Better get out our illegal automatic weapons! Even worse, the higher-end cameras had the possibility to generate their own Wi-Fi access point. Because what could possibly go wrong with that? The hacker, Josh Mitchell from the security firm Newix, said, quote, with some of these vulnerabilities, it's just appalling. I approach this research by trying to find industry trends that are prevalent across multiple devices. There are issues for each of the five devices I looked at that are specific to that device, but there are also trends in general across all of them. They are missing many modern mitigations and defenses. These videos can be as powerful as something like DNA evidence, but if they're not properly protected, there's the potential that the footage could be modified or replaced. I can connect to the cameras, log in, view media, modify media, make changes to the file structures. Those are big issues. According to ACLU senior policy analyst Jay Stanley, quote, The fact that some law enforcement evidence collecting devices can be hacked evokes some true nightmare scenarios. If there aren't reliable ways of ensuring that such equipment needs strong security standards, then something is deeply broken. No police equipment should be deployed that doesn't meet such standards. Some of the companies have said they're going to issue patches to fix the flaws, but that's not the main point. These are full-featured computers that are making basic security bungles. There is no way that these would have been let through if they'd even given the slightest thought to security during the design phase. And it's happened with all of the ones tested, meaning that this is a problem across the board in the body cam industry. This can't be fixed with a few patches. This needs to be fixed by going back to the design level and building in security from the start. So all of that makes these body cam manufacturers this week's... Idiot Extraordinary! What's up this, just a half a mile from the railroad track edition of the Bogosity Podcast? Come join the discussion at forum.bogosity.tv or discord.bogosity.tv and feel free to send a question, statement, news article, or rant in text or audio to podcast.bogosity.tv. 
This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please donate using the links on the website or the QR codes in the thumbnail or support Shane DK on Patreon or Maker Support to get the podcast and YouTube videos early and without ads or promos. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Grace Hopper. Humans are allergic to change. They love to say, we've always done it this way. I try to fight that. That's why I have a clock on my wall that runs counterclockwise. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial Literary Biz 4.0 International License. Bogosity. Want answers to creationist claims against evolution? Would you like to know more about evolution yourself, or even engage creationists more directly, with actual peer-reviewed sources to back you up? My book, How Evolution is Scientific, is designed to show the basics of evolutionary theory and how it is so well supported using the scientific method. It's impeccably sourced, with references to the actual scientific material, and is arranged using the creationists' own criteria of what is scientific. Using their own arguments against them, see how evolution is scientific, but creationism is not. Based on observations, accurate predictions, logic, and evidence. Get answers to common creationist claims, and even a primer on abiogenesis, the start of all life. It's all in my book, How Evolution is Scientific, available at Amazon, and on Kindle, EPUB, and PDF as well. Get How Evolution is Scientific and Never Be Taken In by Creationists Again.